Thank you, Amy. And thanks, everybody, for filling that out and considering what your next step is at Hershey Free. Uh, how many of you are ready to open up God's Word and hear what He has to say? All right, cool. If you have uh, a Bible with you, go to Luke chapter 11. If you do not, uh, or if you're online, we'll put the verses up on the screen. And there's also some Bibles in the pew in front of you if you'd like to do that. So we have been going through some of the parables of Jesus over the last couple of weeks. This is the last one. Uh, And our senior pastor comes back next week from sabbatical. So uh, the first string pitcher is back next week. Uh, But you're stuck with me today. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 11. This is called the parable of the friend at midnight. And here's a sketch. Here's a painting. A pretty famous one done in the 1800s by William Hunt of the parable of the friend at midnight. So this section of Luke 11, while you're turning there... uh, Amy, I got your, got your card here. I'll, I'll hold on to that. So uh, this section begins with the disciples spending some time with Jesus, and Jesus is praying, and they are listening to Jesus pray. And they must have been blown away by the way in which he prayed, because the follow-up to that is they ask him, Lord, would you teach us to pray? Now, keep in mind, these are young men who have grown up praying, but, you know, they were Jews, they grew up in the Jewish faith, learning how to pray, and, and, but there was something different about the way that Jesus prayed. I don't know if it was just conversational, as if God was in the room with them. I don't know if it, if it was bold. I mean, there was something about the way that Jesus prayed, and they said, I've prayed before, but, but can you teach me to pray like you do? And so Jesus does that. He gives them a model prayer, you know, address God this way, here's some of the things you ask for. Uh, That follows that section later on in chapter 11. We call this the Lord's Prayer. Some of you may have memorized that uh, years ago. And so that's the Lord's Prayer. And then after that, Jesus launches into a story, and it is this parable. It's the parable of the friend at midnight. And so here's kind of how the story goes. There is a friend who has unexpected visitors come and visit him late one night. And keep in mind, this is the ancient world. It's not like you go visit a friend in Lancaster, so you hop in your car with the AC and you drive 45 minutes. I mean, you're talking like three days on a donkey or something. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of a big deal. They arrive, and they don't know when they're going to arrive because it's, you know, it's, it's a long trip. And they arrive, it happens to be in the middle of the night. They're exhausted. Uh, they're, they're tired. The friend must not have known they were coming. He doesn't have any supplies in the house, but he wants to be a good host and to feed these people who have just come a long journey to visit him. All the stores are closed. You know, there's nowhere he can get food. He doesn't have food in his house. And so he runs across the street, runs to his neighbor's house. Neighbor! There's no answer. Neighbor! There's no answer. And we're going to read why there's no answer. It's midnight. It's it's the middle of the night. You don't knock on your neighbor's door in the middle of the night unless your house is on fire. And it's not. So he's knocking on the door. So he has an option. He can either go back home and hang his head. He doesn't have anything to give to his friends who have visited. But he decides that, you know what, I think my neighbor's going to answer. If I knock loud enough and long enough, my neighbor will answer. So he continues to knock, neighbor! Finally, the neighbor comes. And he's grumpy as I'll get out, right? What do you want? <laughs> you know, he gives him the food, and the guy runs off, and he is able to feed his uh, friends that have come. So we're going to read the story in a minute, but the purpose of the story is that Jesus wants us to see ourselves in the shoes of the friend, the one who is knocking at the door, who is seeking, who is asking. He wants to see us as the one who is knocking. Now, I want you to keep this in mind. We'll come back to this in a second, but the friend is asking for supplies. He's asking for resources to do what is the right thing, to do what he believes is the right thing for him to do. He's not knocking on the door, hey, neighbor, I'm out of cigarettes. I mean, he's not asking for some kind of selfish need for himself. He, he has friends that have come a long journey. He needs to feed them. He's trying to do the right thing. And so that's what he's asking for. It's not a selfish ask. So Jesus wants us to see ourselves in the shoes of the friend. He also wants us to see God in the position of the neighbor. So the neighbor gets up, 
the door's locked, he's grumpy, but eventually he gives the guy, okay, fine, just, just take your stuff, let me go back to bed and, and go away. He, he, he ends up giving the person what he requested. And the point of the story is that God's door is never closed. God is never sleeping when you knock on the door. I mean, so the point is, is even if the grumpy neighbor, even a grumpy neighbor, even your grumpy neighbor is going to give you what you need at midnight if you knock loud enough and long enough, how much more will God, who never sleeps, who never closes his door, and who never runs out of resources, going to answer your request? Of course he will. If I had to sum, before we read it, if I had to sum the entire parable up, it's, I didn't count how many verses, I don't know, 10, whatever. You can prove me wrong later. If, if you were to count, if you were to, 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 to just put a subtitle on this and just boil it down into one sentence, this is the one sentence that, that would describe this parable. You don't have because you don't ask. You don't have because you don't, say it with me, ask. God is willing to meet your needs if you would only ask. So let's read this parable together, Luke 11, and we'll start in verse number 5. Then Jesus said to them, this is after he gives them the model prayer, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine has come on a journey to me and I have no food to offer him. Verse seven. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door's already locked. My children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you. Even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So you'll go away. (laughs) Verse 9. This is how he sums it up. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Verse 11. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, you're going to give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, although you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who, say it with me, ask Once again, if I had to boil this down to one sentence, it it, it means this. You don't have because you don't, say it. Let's try that again. You don't have because you don't. Let's try it again. You don't have because you don't. One more time. You don't have because you don't. Here's what the scripture says over and over. Hebrews 4.16. Let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. Philippians 4, 6, in everything by prayer, let your request be made known to God. You don't have because you don't. Once again, 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, pray continually. James 5, 16, the prayer of a righteous person has great power. Let's hear you. You don't have because you don't. Hebrews 10, 19, therefore, we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. Ephesians 3.12, because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. Let's hear it. You don't have because you don't. Here's a plain one, James 4.2. You do not have because you do not. You don't have because you don't ask. Now, the disciples saw this play out over and over. There's a story of them being on the sea and the winds begin to blow and the waves begin to crash and they feel as though their boat is going to capsize. They've tried to adjust the sails, they've tried to bail the water, nothing's working, and so they decide they're finally going to wake up Jesus, and they will, and the storms 
go away. Later on, Jesus decides to send the 12 out into the various villages uh, to, to proclaim the gospel of the kingdom. And as they go, he says, don't take any bags, don't take any clothes, don't take any money. If you have needs, I want you to try asking, right? Later on, there's this crowd that gathers, over 5,000 people, they gather to hear Jesus speak and preach the gospel. And as, they're, and as they're sitting there, Jesus ends up telling his disciples, we need to feed these people. They've come a long journey. They have nothing to eat. I don't know if they can make it back on the way. You need to figure out a way to feed these people. They all get out their apps on their phones. Tr- Where's the nearest giant food store? How much money do you have? I don't think I have enough. Maybe we can pull our money together. We don't have enough. Let's survey the crowd and see if the crowd has enough you know, food between everybody. We can divide it up. Oh, that's not going to work. What are we going to do? They eventually go back to Jesus and they... And they ask, and over and over, the disciples found out this principle, that you don't have because you don't. The disciples saw this play out. They knew it worked. I've seen it play out. I know it works. I remember back when I was in college, I had to work a job to, in order to pay tuition. I was paying my own way. And so one uh, summer was coming up, I didn't have a vehicle, and I had to be able to get back and forth to work so that I could pay my tuition. Uh, I didn't have time to ride a shuttle. I couldn't figure out how to do that. And there was, there was just a few weeks until school started, and so I just prayed, and I prayed. I didn't have money to buy a car. I prayed, and I asked God, hey, can, can you please provide a way for me to get back and forth to work? Unexpectedly, an extended family member of mine passed away, and the family called me. I didn't ask for it. I didn't mention it. No, nobody, I, only, I had only told God my need for a vehicle. And they called me and said, hey, uh, do, you, do you want the car? We'll just we'll decide to be, none of us need it. <laughs> and they gave me the car. All I had to do was ask. Later on when I was in seminary, when Ann and I were, were, in, uh, were in Dallas, Texas, man, we were, we were more broke than the Liberty Bell. I mean, we were so broke, we could sit on top of a dime and still dangle our legs. It was bad. For five years, it was bad. Okay? We were both working. I was working full-time during school. I was... Uh, working every overtime shift I would take. I, I was working every holiday they would let because they'd pay like double times. So I was working every holiday. I mean, we were buying offhand clothes or just taking free clothes that we would find on somebody's doorstep. I'm not joking. I mean, we, we were doing everything we can, shopping at the discount places. I mean, we, we were just trying to make things, meet, things work. And we're being smart about it. We weren't being irresponsible. We would write up this budget. You know, we, you, know you guys have your budgets every month. We'd write up the budget. Here's our expenses, our absolute ne- necessary expenses. Here's the income we have, and there was no balancing. Whoop! I mean, that was the balance. I mean, it, it never made, for five years, every single month, it never made sense. And every single, every single day, I would beg God to meet our needs. Every week, we would pray. Every month, we would pray. And I can't explain it. I can show you the budget sheets. And the math doesn't work, okay? The math does not work. And every single month, God met our needs, and, he, and we never missed a single bill. And I can't explain it. The only way I can explain it is this, because you don't have, because you don't ask if you have needs Jesus says you don't have because you don't ask the disciples saw it happen I've seen it happen you've seen it happen Annette you've seen it happen haven't you Cameron you've seen it happen haven't you Cindy Brian you've seen it happen you've seen it happen you don't have because you don't I bet if I pass the mic around we'd hear some stories We'd hear some stories. This is the point of the parable that Jesus is making. Sorry, folks, the Baptist in me is coming out. I can't help it sometimes. Let's go on to verse number 5. Luke 11 and starting back at verse number 5. Jesus begins the parable. He says, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves. A friend of mine is on a journey and I have no food to offer. I got nothing. I don't know what else I'm going to do. I don't have what I need. Now, I need you to really focus in on this as we continue. 
I'm trying to stress, I'm trying to stress and, ha- and have the, uh, I- I'm trying to have the tone that Jesus has in the story because we, wonder, we read stories like this and we, we want to yeah, but the story to death, right? Well, yeah, but, I mean, that, let's not yeah, but the passage. Let's just read it as it is. Jesus says you have a need, you pray for it, God will answer it. That's, let's not yeah, but it too much, but let's keep this in mind, that this is not a selfish need, Okay. I'm hoping that none of you walk out of this room and say, you know, I've always wanted a Tesla. I guess Pastor Nick says I just have to ask for it. <laughs> That's not what we're talking about here, okay? God does not promise to meet your greeds, just your needs. God does not promise to fund your selfishness, just your service. God does not promise to make you comfortable, just to make you capable. And this is a request. This friend is knocking at the door. He has a request for a ministry need. He wants to provide for someone else. God has called you to provide for your family. And if you ask, he will make a way for that to happen. God has called you to use your time and your talents for others. And if you ask, he will make a way for that to happen. God has called you to fund his church, to feed the poor, to free the oppressed. And if you ask, he will make a way for that to happen. And there are plenty of verses in the Bible that Jesus says, if you ask anything in my name, then, then, then I will do it for my own glory. We have to realize this is not for selfish needs. I want a new Tesla. That's, that's not the kind of, you never see Jesus asking Lord, would you give me more hearts on Instagram? I mean, he's never, he's never, Lord, would you grant me the newest smartwatch? Would you help me lose weight? Like, Jesus is never praying prayers like this. He's praying ministry needs and for his bare necessities. And God always answers those kinds of prayer, okay? And so before we go on, I just want to make sure that you hear that. This is not for selfish needs. This is for needs for ministry. If you understand that, go ahead and let me hear you say, uh-huh. Okay, if you understand that, let me hear you say, move on, preacher. Okay, we will move on. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Let's go pick it up in verse number 7. Luke 11, verse number 7. And suppose, we're going to the neighbor now. And suppose the one inside, the neighbor answers, don't bother me. The door's already locked. My children and I, we're in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you anything because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. I love these. Look, look at these three responses. Notice the neighbor has three initial responses. First, don't bother me. <laughs> Second, the door's already shut. The door's already shut. You ever been there? You ever, seen, you ever been to a, a shut door? You felt that figuratively and literally. And then thirdly, he says, I can't get up and give you anything. Once again, we are meant to read this parable and compare the neighbor to God. If a neighbor who the door is shut, don't bother me, I'm not going to give you anything, if that neighbor will give you, if you knock loud enough and long enough, that neighbor is going to give you whatever you need to get you off the porch. If the neighbor will do that, how much, how much more will God, who never shuts his door to you, who never gets tired of hearing, go away, God's never going to say that to you. He, never, he, never, he would never say, I don't have what I need to get. No, God has everything. He's not going to run out of stuff. His door's not shut. He doesn't get tired of, of hearing from you. He's never asleep in bed. How much more will your heavenly Father give you what you need for yourself, for your family, and for ministry purposes? How much more? You don't have because you don't ask. I want you to notice this next. Notice, notice this, <laughs> these two words. The words shameless audacity. Now, different English translations translate this differently, but it comes from the Greek word uh, uh, anadeia. Here's a lectionary definition of anadeia. It means a lack of sensitivity to what is proper, carelessness about the good opinion of others. It's just shameless. It's audacious. It's, this is not the way you're supposed to, this is not proper etiquette. This guy doesn't care about proper etiquette. Who knocks on their neighbor's door in the middle of midnight? Nobody. That's incredibly rude. 
And who, after they're told to go away, continues to knock? Nobody does that. That's, that's shameful. It's rude. It's, it's, it's not proper. But this guy doesn't care. If he knows, if he keeps knocking, he's going to get the bread that he needs. And this is what Jesus' point. If you have shameless audacity, if you will just ask for what you need, he says, you don't have. Because you don't. You're going to remember that phrase by the end of this thing, aren't you? You're going to be sick of it. Let's pick it up in verse number 9. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. There's no distinction, oh, what is ask and seek and knock? What's the difference? No, no, he's just, he's using uh, repetition to point out that you have to keep asking, to keep knocking, to keep seeking. You have to keep knocking. And if you keep doing that, the door will be opened. Your needs will be met. So if you, don't, if you don't know how to apply this, some of you are listening and you're thinking, oh, I, I want to apply this. I'm not sure how to, but I don't know how to. I just want to show you one way in which you can uh, apply this passage to your life. So up here I have a box. You're probably wondering where this is from. Um, this is a box somebody gave me after a mission trip back in 2005. On the bottom it says Cuba 2005. They went on a mission trip to Cuba and they gifted me this when they returned. And so what I did is I turned it into my, my prayer box. And so for years and years, I've been keeping a, a prayer list with different prayer cards. I heard someone say long ago, if you don't have a prayer list, you don't have a prayer life. I, I think that's a little too strong. I'm not sure I would put it that way. But those words did clue me into, I need to make a prayer list and be more intentional. Have you ever had those moments where you go to pray and it's like, all right, I prayed for three minutes. What else do I say? <laughs> I don't know what else to say. A prayer list helps keep you disciplined with that. And so in this box, I have various cards. I have, I have two that I pray for every single day, okay? The first is this one right here. I pray for myself, and I have uh, seven, no, six different notches on here that I intentionally pray for myself, that I'll be more like Jesus, that I have discernment, you know, those kind of things, uh, opportunities for sharing the gospel and disciple-making. So these are things that I pray for myself every single day. Underneath that, I have prayers for my wife. Underneath that, I have prayers for my kids. Just over the years, I thought, what are the kinds of things I want to, I don't want to pray for my kids to have a good day. I mean, I want them to have a good day, but like, is that really what I want God to do, give them a good day? No, I, so I have very intentional things. These are the things that I really want God to answer when it comes to my kids. And every day I pray for that. On the back, I have the names of the members of my small group. I pray for you guys every single day, okay, in my small group. So uh, this, one, this one's personal. I'm not telling you what's on this one, but I pray for this one every day as well. I have other ones that have extended family members on here, uh, requests that others have given me. So if you tell me, hey, Pastor Nick, would you pray for this? I write it on this one, this purple one. The colors don't mean anything. It's just a different color. I have my neighbors, and I got a little map on the back. I've drew, drawn a little map of my neighborhood, and I have my neighbors' names. As I meet them, I write down their name, and I pray for them. Uh, coworkers, uh, people that are, that are not believers that I've met, that I talk to. And so here's, here's what I want to challenge you to do. If you're, if you're listening, and you'd like to apply this, but you're not sure, like, what do I ask for? I don't understand. Here's, here's the application for you today. If you do not have a prayer list, you don't need to have a box. You don't need to be fancy about it. But I challenge you to make, to go home today or tomorrow and make a prayer list. I brought cards because I knew that some of you would, oh, I want to do that, but I need to add index cards to my shopping list. And then you never get to it and you forget. So, so I brought these. I'm going to leave them up here. I'll leave half a stack up here and half a stack up here. What I want to challenge you to do, if you don't have a prayer list, is to grab three of these cards. Or go home, get a scrap sheet of paper. I don't care what you do. Okay? Three cards. On one card, write prayer request for yourself, for your own needs, for ministry opportunities, for character traits, you know, pray for humility and those guys. Pray for, pray for yourself. 
Get a second card and write down family members or friends that you want to pray for and the things you want to pray for them about. And then number three, write down unbelievers in your life. And if you, if you don't interact with anybody who's not a Christian, then write unbeliever on one side and leave the other side blank as a reminder that you need to be sharing the gospel and meeting people that are not Christians. And so this is my challenge for you if you don't have a prayer list. Grab three cards, write down those three things on each different card. And each day, just grab, I, I don't pray for all of them, obviously. I pray for those first two every single day. And then I got about two more cards, and I'll pray for those two cards, and I'll put them at the back, okay? So if you do not have a prayer list, that is my challenge for you to begin praying for other people. Once again, you don't have, because you don't ask. Let's pick it up and see how Jesus finishes these parables in verse number 11. Luke eleven eleven. Which of your fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? How many, any parents in here have done that before? Maren, have you done this? I don't know. Is this a thing in Pennsylvania? Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. I don't know of anybody that's done this. If you, who are evil, or not holy, not righteous as a comparison to God, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. Even a bad neighbor is going to help you out if you go knock on, and knock loud enough on his door. Even a, bad, even a bad father, a bad mother, they're not going to be like, oh, you want a sandwich? How about a black widow? I mean, no, no parent's going to do that. How much more? If you have a genuine need and you're trying to do ministry and you don't have what you need, how, do you not think that God's going to answer that request? You don't have because you don't ask. And here's something else I want to point out. Look at the end of verse 13. Luke points out what, you know, we need physical, tangible needs, but, but something else that we need. He says, how much more will the Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The first thing that we need and the last thing that we need is the Holy Spirit. Let me just say a word real quick. Some of you are watching online. Some of you are here in the room, and, and you're not a believer. You're not sure that you're a Christian. Maybe you follow a different religion. Uh, maybe, maybe you've explored different religions and you kind of take the good of, of all of them, but you haven't like get gone all in with one religion. You haven't gone all in with, with Christianity. Maybe you believe in Jesus in the sense that you believe you know, he was a real person, a historical person or whatever, but maybe he rose from the dead. But, but you haven't like placed your trust in him. You haven't believed in a, in a sense of, okay, I'm going all in and I'm, I'm going to follow this Jesus and I'm going to like trust and devote my life to him if you've never done that. I want to challenge you and encourage you at the end of the service to come and do that. And that, that's your first prayer request is to ask God to forgive you of your sins and to have the Holy Spirit indwell you. So at the end of the service, I'll remind you, we'll have some members of our prayer team off to the side here, and they would love to talk to you about that. And they'll, they'll pray with anybody who just wants to pray about something else in their life. As we wrap up, I just want to share with you one story. This is a, a story of George Mueller. Here's a picture of George. He was alive in the 1800s and best known for his ministry to orphans. Mr. Mueller became a Christian when he was in his early 20s, and that's when he began reading his Bible just voraciously, right, just reading his Bible. And there were, there were verses on, on prayer that really, that really just kind of came off the page and just kind of grabbed him, if you've ever had that happen with a, a passage of Scripture. One came from John 14, 13. Jesus says, if you, you can ask anything in my name, and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. That, that verse just did something to him in his heart. Another was Psalm 81, verse 10. I am the Lord your God. Open your mouth wide, and I will fill it. Unfortunately, or fortunately, however you want to look at it, 
Mr. Mueller found himself having to actually test these verses out. <laughs> he ended up getting a job where he didn't have a regular income, and so there were various times where he ran out of money and he didn't have food in the house, there were no more supplies, and he wasn't sure what to do. And so the only thing he knew to do was to pray. And time and time again, God would meet his needs, and he never, he never was in want. He and his wife were always provided for when he prayed. One day during this season of life where he had very little and he had to rely on God for his everyday needs, he noticed some children running around in the streets, and the city had not done anything Uh, had not opened up any kind of foster care system or orphanage. And so he he remembers saying this to himself. I think he wrote it in a journal. He said, Father, if if I can trust in you to provide for my needs, why can't I trust in you to provide for their needs too? And so he and his wife decided to open up an orphanage, which later led to more orphanages, and the ministry ended up growing. Here's a picture of one of the orphan houses and uh, some of the children that they took in to this orphan house. He and his wife, the Mueller's, they opened this orphanage with uh, several principles. Here's two of the principles they opened the orphanage with. With. Number one, that debt should never be incurred. I'm reading this, quoting. The second principle is that no rich, great man should be its patron, but that the living God alone should be the patron of the institution. And he and the workers of this, or of this organization, they had uh, a very simple philosophy of ministry. This is what his wife writes in, in, an auto, in a biography after Mr. Mueller passed. Mr. Mueller judged that he should be able to provide everything for the support of orphans, whether many or few orphans, by waiting habitually upon God and by making known his wants to God and God alone. Our Heavenly Father is abundantly able to and willing to provide for the necessities of all his children, even the very feeblest of them. That's a good philosophy of ministry. <laughs> We're going to rely on God. Time and time again, the workers ran out of food, ran out of supplies. And there were various moments where sometimes, here, here, let me just read this from the, from the biography. Sometimes it would happen that at nine in the morning, there were no provisions in the houses. Neither was there money in hand to purchase the food needed for the dinner. And then, in answer to the earnest cries of those who were engaged in the work, money was received in time to get supplies and get the meal ready by the lunch hour. But often afterwards, there was nothing left for supper. <laughs> so they would go back to prayer again. You can read, as, you know, it's all, it's all common. Uh, what do you call that when books were written so long ago that nobody cares about copyrights? It's, it's all online. You can, there's a word for it, but whatever. You should have hired a smarter pastor. So anyway, uh, he, he shares this one story that's pretty moving, uh, where one, late one night, Mr. Mueller is at the orphanage, and there's, there's no food for breakfast in the morning. He's just staying up late. He's praying. God, there's no food for these kids. <laughs> Where are you going to feed the kids? And so he leaves the orphanage late that night. He has a 20-minute walk to his house. So he walks back home, and he's praying. He goes back home, and he searches his own uh, piggy bank or wallet, you know, whatever. He searches his own money. There's no money. He doesn't have any personal money to buy food, so he prays again. He doesn't know what he's going to do. There's no food for the kids the next day. And so he wakes up the next morning. He walks back to the orphanage. And as soon as he arrives, the chief assistant showed him a gift that had arrived five minutes before Mr. Mueller got there, and it was enough to pay for food for the day. He had no idea who brought it. He, he didn't ask for it. He didn't publicize it. There was no ad in the paper. I mean, nobody knew about this, and the money had just arrived. The news of, of this particular event began to kind of spread throughout the city, and the person who had brought the gift ended up finding out, and he reached out to Mr. Mueller, wrote him a letter, and explained what had happened that morning. It was a businessman that was on his way to work one morning, and he just felt this prompting in his head, in his heart, I don't know, whatever. He felt this prompting, I need to go by the orphan houses and bring money. The kids might need food. I don't know. I don't know what they need. No, I'm, I'm, I'm late for work. I have appointments. I, I'll go after work. And so we continued on to the office. 
But this, this thought kept nagging him. It kept nagging. No, I need to go to the orphan. I need to go right now. But, but he, he was going back and forth, kind of like the angel and the devil on his shoulder, right? No, just go later. And so, he, okay, I'm going to go after work. I'll go, I'll go. I won't go to bed tonight until I bring the money. But it just nagged him. It nagged him. It nagged him. Finally, he was so sick of the voice in his head. Fine, I'll take the money. And so he goes back to the orphan house. He drops off the money and leaves. He doesn't talk to Mr. Mueller. And that's the story of how the food was provided that day. You can read of many of these answered prayers. Uh, after he passed away, the Fleming Rebel Company published a 393-page book of verified, uh, they, they researched and found verified answers to prayer that they wrote up in this book called The Wonders of Prayer. It's available online. Over the course of his ministry, George Mueller cared for over 10,000 orphans and helped open and establish 117 schools, all because he really believed what Jesus said, and he lived by this principle. You don't have because you don't. Let me hear that again. You don't have because you don't. One more time over here. You don't have because you don't. Yeah. Don't believe it? Try it. Prove Jesus wrong. And so, church, here's my challenge for you. If you're not a Christian, I challenge you to make the big ask of asking Jesus to forgive you of your sins and to become a believer, and to follow him with your life. At the end of this message, we'll have prayer team members available to do that, or if you want to pray about anything. Secondly, if you are a Christian but don't have a prayer list, you don't need a fancy box from Cuba, okay? It's just a box. But I challenge you to grab three cards. On one card, write yourself and request. On the second card, write your family members and friends and request for them. On the third card, write the name of unbelievers that you hope to one day share the gospel with and pray for confidence in order to do that when the opportunity arises. Once a day, pick up one new card, and pray for those things. So I challenge you to do that if you do not have a request. If you already have a prayer list, if you're already a believer, I challenge you to ask for the things that you need for yourself and for ministry. Let's all stand together before we leave, and let's read two verses, two or three verses from this, two verses from this text together. Ready? So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for my, my friends, my brothers, my sisters, and new friends that maybe I haven't met yet that are here today. I pray that this message would sink into our hearts, that we would remember this parable, and that when we are in need, we would not scurry to find out how can we work more hours, how can we sell stuff, how can we make this happen. I pray that our first response would be to ask. And Father, would you increase our faith and increase our capacity to do good for the world around us and to do ministry for those who are in need. We pray this to you, Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus, and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Church, as you leave today, I want to remind you that you are not being dismissed, but you are being sent. You are being sent to pray with shameless audacity. You are being sent to make a prayer list if you do not already have one. You are being sent to begin a daily habit of habitually waiting upon God to meet your needs and the needs of those around you. You are not dismissed. You are sent. Thank you.